You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Welcome to the show. My name is Christian Corley. And uh, later on, you'll be hearing from Gavin Phillips in some uh, pre-recorded segments that we've uh, provided in advance for this week's show. Uh, We'll be discussing online security topics and uh, a little bit more besides. I'm hosting the first portion of the show solo this week, so uh, without further ado, let's get into the latest tech news that matters. Okay, so uh, it was our 200th edition last week, so we um, put news on the back seat and had a little bit of uh, quiz-based fun. There are a couple of things that we need to talk about that have uh, developed in the world of technology and how you use your devices over the past few weeks. The BBC has reported that Meta is requiring political advertisers to mark when deep fakes have been used. 2024 is, of course, an election year in the United States. It may also be an election year in the United Kingdom. And it's very important that political messages are genuine and honest and not manipulated digitally. So Meta will require political advertisers to flag when they have used AI or digital manipulation in adverts on Facebook and Instagram. Now, Meta already has policies for all users, not just advertisers, about using deep fakes. And uh, such material would be removed if they would, and I quote, would likely mislead an average person to believe a subject of the video said words they did not say. Meta's other social media platform, which you may be aware of, Threads, a sort of a a Twitter alternative, uh, is following the same policies as Instagram and Facebook. Google has a similar policy. TikTok, on the other hand, does not allow any political advertising. Of course, nobody knows why you're using TikTok. It makes no sense. It is a security and privacy nightmare. That's another matter entirely. General elections also taking place in 2024, including India and Indonesia, South Africa, and the European Union has elections scheduled for next year. And so does Russia. So this could all be uh, very interesting. Now, these um, deep fakes have caused problems in the past. For example, uh, in March, there's a fake picture of former US President Donald Trump falsely showing him being arrested. Uh, the same month, a deep fake video was uh, circulated on social media, which portrayed Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky talking about surrendering to Russia. However, there are also false claims surrounding deep fakes. Concerning President Joe Biden, this video was claimed to be a deep fake. It was actually authentic, which I kind of uh, kind of just goes to show that you can't be too sure about these things at all. Now, maybe if you're using uh, McAfee antivirus, that you know that you're using McAfee antivirus because it lets you know with um, occasional pop-ups giving you information such as the status of your computer security etc but what if you're not using it but you see a pop-up that says your subscription to McAfee antivirus has expired or your PC is infected with viruses what happens then 
are you using McAfee or not? Well, no, you're probably not. But there are lots of uh, methods that online scammers will use to uh, irritate you and empty your wallet at the same time. And this is one of them. They may ask you to renew a subscription through a fake web page, a subscription that you may or may not have. How do they think of these things? I mean, I know about how they think of these things because they have criminal minds. And, you know, the news I get to a criminal mind is watching Criminal Minds, I suppose. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's various, you know, we, we've talked about um, fake web pages, spoof web pages before, and this is the method that they use, using pop-ups. If you don't have pop-ups blocked on your uh, browser or if you've unlocked pop-ups from a particular location and then they appear, or, you know, it might happen on a mobile app or whatever. Uh, scammers may ask you to renew a subscription through a fake page and by tricking you to pay a subscription fee to a service that doesn't exist, they gain access to your credit card information. And I think you can probably see what's going to happen with that next. So how do you deal with the fake McAfee pop-up scam? Well, it is pretty much a case of, you know, blocking notifications and pop-ups and stuff like that. Not, um, I mean, being aware of what software you have on your computer, are you subscribed to McAfee? The problem with this is, of course, Gavin, is that a lot of computer shops will install, pre-install McAfee. But in particular, McAfee. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, the other one would be uh, Norton, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, as, and they seem to be like the go-to pre-installed security apps that people do maybe they receive a small fee each time it's licensed or something like that so you could be super used to seeing this on your computer yeah um and then your license expires and you've been getting that notification saying uh please renew your subscription please renew and then another thing comes up and says your pc is infected with however many viruses and you maybe don't believe it to begin with because you've had all these notifications um but that could be the moment you've actually been infected by something. Yeah. As I say, these things appear. You will see them. You must have seen them by now. I've, I've seen them, and I know that I'm not using McAfee because, well, I'm running Linux. So, and I'm, you know, I'm not in emphasizing any sort of sec uh, security uh, superiority with Linux. There. That's not the uh, aim of that statement. It's just the fact that there isn't a version of McAfee for Linux. So, so what do you do? You... Um, don't grant permission for pop-ups when you land on a uh, malicious website. How do you know they're malicious? Well, if, if it's not a website you intended to go to, or if it's not a website that, you know, that you're using for or perhaps an online banking service or you're making a purchase, which sometimes make you uh, allow pop-ups. If it's not one of those, then don't grant permission. Uh, enable pop-up blockers on your browser. Avoid downloading serve, uh, software, especially antivirus suites from third-party sources. And uh, be careful when you're installing software because occasionally you will find that if you just like click next, 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 you're going to miss some important settings and conditions, which can include uh, you unknowingly giving permission for the software to send you promotional offers. And that might not just be with installing software, it might also be signing up to things as well. And uh, regularly scan your device using a reputable security suite. And, you know, if you're using Windows, you should be using Windows Microsoft Defender pretty regularly. Anyway, it should happen automatically. Anything to add, Gavin? Um, I would actually just reiterate the where you download it from. That's really yeah. important. The official websites... Um, are the only place you can download this type of software without any issues at all. If you try and 
find a free version of the premium version of an antivirus app or something, you are inevitably going to be downloading malware. It's one of the most common ways um, criminals target people is by people trying to get a free version of a premium tool. And antivirus is, is way, way up there because some of the most popular antivirus suites do cost a pretty penny these days. You know, the free versions are really, really good. Um, but people always want the premium version for free. And that's and that is often how they get get you. Do you remember the first time you got a virus on your computer? Uh, I don't remember exactly, but it would have been during the uh, Kazar <laughs> LimeWire oh. type era. Like, wow, Football Manager, and it's only uh, one megabyte. Yeah, definitely need some of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they got you good there. Uh, the first one I received was via email. And it was from my dad, and it was a little executable. I think it was executable. I'm not whether it specifically yeah. said it was executable. And it was a little sort of firework display, and it's a worm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, within an hour of me running that, the computer just stopped working properly at all. And, you know, it didn't take long to work out what the problem was, especially after I spoke to my dad and said, Dad, have you sent me this email? And he said, no, I don't think so. Ah. But I've I've got that email. So what it was was a self-sending uh, worm that would uh, use the... Uh, it just seems slightly uh, in, uh, improbable these days that such, uh, <laughs> such low security was possible. But it was possible for an email to land in your inbox and then hijack your email software, um, typically Outlook Express, and yeah. uh, just send to everyone in your address book the same message and spread that way. These days, we typically don't get that type of problem. We Instead, we have fraud and phishing emails, don't we? Oh, big time, yeah. I mean, I, I can open my inbox now and I could find at least a handful or two phishing emails. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would add that's in my Outlook account because Outlook has some of the worst phishing and spam blocking i can think of it blocks enough but my gosh so much stuff still gets through i'm just looking now into my gmail i'm not seeing anything that is obviously phishing so that's mm, good G gmail seems to be a lot better in my opinion well not even just my opinion just from from all studies yeah um, at blocking and filtering phishing emails you would think that maybe, you know, just maybe Microsoft would have a better handle on it just because, you know, maybe they've been in the game of hosting email longer. Uh, you would think. <laughs> we would uh, hope. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a various different types of uh, phishing email. It's important to know what they look like. Um, let's be honest. They use... They, they vary in levels of quality between looking like they've been put together in uh, Front Page Express in 2002 to looking like completely official messages, don't they? Yes, absolutely. And the, the, the more official, obviously, and uh, better design and programmed they look, the more likely you are going to fall for one. I almost fell for one uh, recently, actually, Christian, because oh. it was really, really good. Yeah, it was a DHL one. 
And um, because of the volume of packages I receive at home, lots yeah. of stuff arriving for reviews and all that sort of stuff, and I get a lot of stuff from DHL, um, and I got a, a, an email that looked, you know, pretty accurate. It had a picture of a package that was the right size for something I was expecting. It was sent as I was expecting a package. Like, all these things sort of lined up. And I was like, huh, that's, you know, that's strange i've never had one of these before and i uh, and i and i almost clicked the link which is Ooh. that's when they get you that's when they get you and i just I, I hovered my mouse over the link yeah and i thought just so i was clicking and then it popped up in the corner of of, of the the email program and it was like a, a long string of goggle uh, gobbledygook basically which then made me know it's like hold on a second that's not an official dhl website uh, and I put it into a URL checker, which is an incredibly handy tool. It tells you if it might be pointing towards some sort of scam or phishing website. And lo and behold, it did. It said, if you go here, something bad's going to happen to you. So I was, I was very, very, very close to being uh, scammed. That's interesting, because whilst we've been uh, recording, I received a text message. This is the, probably the fourth or fifth of these I've had in a week from a uh, from a mobile number. Shipment failure notification... Your package was not delivered because the delivery address was unclear. Your package has been returned to the fulfillment center. Please update your address at the link below for redelivery on November the 7th, which is tomorrow. And then it gives me a link, and then it says, I love this bit, technical support provided by Australia Post. <laughs> you got coming from Australia? I have no idea. Well, nothing, obviously. <laughs> and because of course it's um, it is a phishing link, it is a scam, and uh, yeah, it just uh, the only thing you can do with that is to uh, report it as spam and uh, get rid of it. It's uh, tricky though, isn't it? Because a lot of these emails are designed to look very legitimate. Um, yep. In some cases, some email programs, uh, particularly those I think on smartphones, which I'm guessing is where most people now pick up their email, you don't always see the sender's address straight away. So that can be one of the key giveaways. If they've not spoofed the address to make it look like an official one, it will come from something that doesn't look anything like, you know, if it was a, a PayPal account, the PayPal official email would come from, I, I don't know the official thing, but it would look like paypal.com basically. Yep. Whereas a fake one would look like paypal help online tools.com forward slash blah, blah, blah. Yes. Um, which makes it look completely fake. But if you don't see that initially, or, or even if you just glanced at it and it said PayPal or whatever, you might be immediately fooled or not give it the, the time of day to think, oh, is that legit or not? Absolutely right. I think uh, we should probably just go through the list of um, things to watch out for. Um, we've got a list of nine examples of fraud and phishing emails for you to watch out for hitting your inbox. So... You have got the fake financial rewards and promos email. They come in various forms. You've got the solicitation for donations email. You have random offers and awards for stuff that you maybe can't sign up for, but you you can't remember you signed up for, but you might have done. You've got romance scams, which, you know, that's a whole different subsect of a scam. 
but it happens. There's a thing called pig butchering, which uh, I think Ben investigated a few months ago. So that's worth wrong number pig butchering scam. That's also worth keeping an eye out for. There's pretexting, which um, takes us back to that whole uh, thing to do with uh, security package, subscriptions cancelling, and, and other subscriptions cancelling. You've got email spoofing. Looks like a reputable website. Got all the styles, same assets, same colour schemes, etc. But isn't the real thing. Online gambling games and phishing links, just out-and-out out links banged in the middle of an email hoping that you will click them. And there's whaling as well so keep an eye on your email inbox for messages that are unsolicited because you know if you haven't signed up then there's a very high chance that the unsolicited emails are fraud and phishing scams that you need to watch out for okay so uh, on the topic of gaming hardware what are gaming iems and are they a good alternative to a gaming headset? They look more comfortable, but are they, Gavin? That's a that's a really good starting question, actually, Christian. And I think it really depends sort of on your ears. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used gaming IEMs extensively during testing when I review them. Um, and, f- and for reference, an IEM is um, an in-ear monitor. So it's a bit like an earbud, but they can be slightly smaller. So they fit um, quite snug in the ear canal. So you're getting like a really immersive listening experience Mm -hmm. um, and they can create like a really good seal around the ear so you don't get much passive noise coming through and distracting you whilst you're gaming it's quite tricky though because most people wouldn't necessarily consider uh, a set of earbuds or or indeed IEMs for gaming to begin with like you you default to headphones don't you yeah sure um so but there are a few good reasons why you might want to check out an gaming iem so because iems are manufactured like to be quite high quality you can actually get a higher level of audio detail um, when you're gaming which is quite interesting so despite them having smaller drivers that's the bit that makes the sound in the headphone Um, compared to like a big set of headphones because they're specifically designed and tailored you can sometimes get a higher level of of quality which is you know it kind of goes against what you might think but um you also can get quite a large like a large sound stage which is the overall breadth uh, and depth of the noises you can hear um, as I said as well, uh, noise isolation is really good. I would caveat that with with a regular set of gaming headphones. You're probably going to get some sort of ANC active noise cancellation feature anyway. Mm. So it's whether you want active noise cancelling versus passive noise cancelling. Um, and then the other thing as well with IEMs is they're super useful for portable gaming. So if you've got a, a Switch or you've got a favourite retro gaming handheld, um, a little set of gaming IEMs, wired ones, can be really handy because they fit in your pocket or they fit in your uh, Nintendo Switch case um, and you don't have to worry about carrying a big bulky set of headphones with you. Useful, useful, useful. I am... Um, I... Do you know what? I've, it's only very recently I've uh, come to the idea of using a headset with with mobile gaming systems, and it was actually uh, 
My favorite, one of my favorite games of all time, Turrican, when it's released on the Switch as a um, a multiple a multi pack Turrican Flashback is the collection, and I wanted to play it on the Switch. I know I, I wanted to play it on the TV through the Switch, and uh, my wife was uh, not receptive to this idea because she wanted to watch TV. Uh, so <laughs> I um, I hooked. It, I started playing portably. Oh, shit, right. You're making a noise. So I uh, connected my. Um, Sony earbuds to it, and it sounded fantastic. Those aren't uh, in-ear monitors, but they're very good uh, little audio devices. So, like the whole idea of using headset from portable gaming is never something, not something that really occurred to me until relatively recently. Yeah, it's quite interesting because, like you said, you're normally sitting on the sofa or something, aren't you? So you mm. don't really consider it. But um, I mean, I game all the time wearing headphones, as I imagine quite a lot of our listeners do. Um, and I do find now that when I switch to not wearing headphones or or in ear monitors or something, I kind of I don't kind of get the same immersion yeah. as I do yeah. with something close to my ears, really like drawing me into the sound and the environment of what I'm doing. Yeah, I agree with that. I played most most of the um, Spider Man game when it was released on this uh, on the Steam Deck, the Spider Man Remastered. I played most of that in portable mode with headset. Oh, nice. A far more immersive experience. Okay, it's recommendations time now, and I am going to bring you another retro gaming device to recommend. Listen, I'm a big fan of retro gaming, as you know, and you may have heard me mention the Evercade cartridges. These are... uh, collection of cartridges that feature licensed copies of classic games across all manner of platforms, arcade platforms, and uh, old consoles such as the Atari 2600 and the 7800, and later devices. There's a collection of Atari Lynx. There's two collections of Atari Lynx games, in fact. There's a collection of Amiga games, collections of Commodore 64 games, Collections of uh, NES games that are not uh, licensed by, not owned by Nintendo, third-party NES games. There's so many different cartridges. There's, uh, I think we're in the region of there being over 50 cartridge collections now. now. A few months ago, the people behind the Evercade, Blaze Entertainment, they announced the release of the Super Pocket. There are two of these devices. There's the Tato Super Pocket and the Capcom Super Pocket. I've got the Tato Super Pocket, which comes with 18 arcade classics pre-installed. I'm going to give you a quick run-through of these titles. Space Invaders, Bubble Bobble, Puzzle Bobble, Operation Wolf, Rastan, The New Zealand Story, Kadash, Chuck and Pop, Don Doco Don, Elevator Action, The Fairy Tales Story, no, The Fairyland Story, Football Champ, which is a massive personal favourite of mine. Growl, Volfide, Kiki Kai Kai, The Legend of Cage, Liquid Kids, and Space Invaders 91. So just to reiterate, these titles are all pre-installed on the Super Pocket Tato version. And what you get is a sort of a compact... Nintendo Game Boy style device. This is one of the best things about it. It's not the only great thing about it, but it's small enough to fit in a back pocket. 
easily. It's it's slim enough. The edges are smoothed out to uh, accommodate easy slipping in and out of a pocket. So you can literally take this retro gaming collection with you. Now remember, there's 18 games built in. They're not on cartridge, they're built in, which means you can also insert your favourite Evercade cartridge as well to uh, maximise the number of games that you can take with you. It features a D-pad, ABXY buttons, select and start and a menu button. There's a volume control, a power control, there is a USB-C charging port, and there are also four buttons on the back, two for left and two for right. All in all, this is an absolutely excellent little device. I've spent a lot of time playing through the uh, built-in games and playing some of my favourite Evercade cartridge games as well. I'll just give you a little uh, run-through of the uh, loading sound. So splash screen first of all. That's the menu music you can hear there. And a quick click of the main menu button to select the Evercade cartridge I have installed. Carries on the same music. Gives you a nice sort of audio clicking sound. And uh, this is just playing out of its normal speakers at the moment. It has a headphone jack. But uh, it's... I mean, I'm going to be honest. It's arguably better than the real Evercade um, consoles, such as the Evercade XP. It just feels more of a uh, more of a successful whole unit that just works together. The menu music is, makes an excellent uh, difference, certainly. So, uh, let's just flick that off. So, as I say, the uh, Super Pocket comes in a Tato and a Capcom flavour, and they're ca- compatible with Evercade cartridges. They're from the same company. Uh, although the, uh, the brand name is Super Pocket is attributed to Hyper Mega Tech, but that is uh, a, a subsidiary of Blaze Entertainment. These games are all licensed by Taito, and uh, yeah, great collection, some great games on there. Um, and the best thing is, this is under hundred dollars. This cost me sixty pounds in the UK, so that's even the ninety to one hundred dollars area there. So these are affordable, portable retro gaming systems that you can take anywhere and run over 500 games on if you uh, if you begin collecting the Evercade cartridges. That's a massive library of retro games. So that is my recommendation for this week. We've reached the end of another really useful podcast from makeuseof.com. Everything we've discussed in this week's show you will find referred to in the show notes so you can continue your learning and reading and discovery of that relevant knowledge. If you are uh, using Apple Podcasts, if you would leave us a five-star review and a a favourable comment, we will read that out and uh, thank you uh, on air, as it were. We'll be back for a new show next week. Until then, take care. It's goodbye from us.